to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So there is a troll in all of us, right? Every single one of us has been more aggressive online than we would offline. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I've been trolled online and it is not fun. In fact, it can be really scary. Ginger Gorman knows this. She's a journalist whose whole life was turned upside down by internet trolls. It impacted her family, her health, her livelihood... She was so badly attacked, she feared for her life. I realised not only was Ginger a victim, but she had studied some of the world's worst trolls and has found out why they do what they do and who they are. She even wrote a book about it, Troll Hunting. What she shared with me and how far these trolls go really shocked me. Trigger warning, this episode contains sensitive topics and adult themes. Ginger Gorman, you are a journalist and you have really sacrificed five years of your life to create a book called Troll Hunting. How are you? Are you okay? Because I feel like it's a bit of a, it's a deep place to go. So a lot of us, Zoe, have the idea that trolls are just people who are mean in their mum's basements. And that is so far from the truth. And when I set out to write the book, I had no idea how dark and how violent it was going to be. So what I uncovered was a world of what I call predator trolling. So Mm -hmm. trolling is a spectrum of behaviors. You have really lighthearted fun pranks at one end. And then at the other end, you have hate crimes. So I was really thrown right into that world where people, serious committed trolls, were operating in big international syndicates and were linked to these really full-on crimes like terrorism, high school shootings, incitement to suicide, murder, real-life stalking. You know, at one point, one woman's horse got killed. So... I just, you know, in the process of writing the book and forming these really deep relationships with people who are very damaged and damaging, I got really bad PTSD because 
people were shot in real time while I was writing, you know, so a lot of stuff happened that was very traumatic. Yeah. So by the end of it, I had a real drinking problem. I was a total mess. I was shouting at my children and I actually had to go to a specialist for help, a woman that deals with PTSD in journalism. And I had really specialized therapy in order to speak to the media and speak to the public about Mm. trolling once the book came out. Yeah. So I just, I literally, I was so naive when I started. I just had no idea that's where it was going. And I, when you're discussing these real life crimes, I think that's what is going to be confusing to people listening right now is how do they bridge that gap from being behind, you know, it's like a keyboard warrior just saying, you know, slut shaming or you're, um, I want to kill you. But how does that actually turn into real people dying, a horse dying? How do we get there? Well, so we know from decades of research that language and violent language and demeaning language targeted at specific groups has the ability to incite real-life harm against those groups. And the example I often give to show the real-life harm is there is a journalist in my book. Her name is Sherelle Moody. She's actually quite an amazing person. She came from a very, very, very violent upbringing and she now runs uh, the Red Heart campaign, which is an anti-gendered violence and anti-family violence campaign, and it's huge. And so I was interviewing her during the writing of the book for a chapter about misogyny online. And, I mean, the threats she gets on a daily basis are terrifying and she's got security around her house and she's had a lot of incidents already. But she said to me during the writing of the book at one point, Ginger, someone threatened to kill my horse, Frank. She had this old horse that she loved. And then a few days later, Frank was found dead in a paddock. And she also had an incident a year earlier where her dog was given acid and the hole inside of her dog's mouth was burned out. So the thing is, that's one example. The book is full of, you know, uh, trolls inciting terrorism. Like there's a uh, terrorism act in there by a man who incited this terrorist act in Garland, Texas, and two people were shot in 2015. So there's all this stuff that is so real life. You know, like the Christchurch killer, he was actually a predator troll. Like I've seen all those posts and a lot of the mechanisms he used in his manifesto and various other things he did were classic predator trolling tactics. So we need to stop thinking that this is virtual and it's happening in fairyland because it's really real life and it makes sense you know like you think about what happens online you can order your groceries online and they come in real life you can uh you know apply for a job online and you get it in real life so you can incite a terrorist act or you can incite suicide and you can incite murder online and it happens in real life so yeah it's this crazy idea that it's only words on the internet they never hurt anyone you are using the word predator troll. Can you just yeah. explain to us what that actually is? So one of the really confusing things, Zoe, is that the word troll is used so broadly that we don't really understand what it means. It almost has no meaning. So people use the word troll online, offline, just in instances where people are needling each other and winding each other up, right? So if you, for example, were a domestic violence survivor and you went down to the police station and you said, my ex is trolling me, they would probably laugh you off. So what Uh I understood from 
being a predator trolling victim myself and you know once I started reporting on this people would just write to me and describe their destroyed lives right so they would talk about losing their jobs having PTSD trying to suicide like just these terrible wreckages of lives and I just in this implicitly understood that this thing that's happening to people is not the same as someone playing a mild prank on you and rickrolling you where you accidentally click on a Rick Astley link. That is not the same as being, you know, stalked and having violence incited against you. So basically I came up with this definition, which is predator trolling. And the way that I describe it is predator trolling is one or more individuals using digital devices to perpetrate real-life harm against another person or persons, and that harm can be psychological, physical, or both. And that's the extreme end. Yeah, so that's the stuff that I'm really interested in. I'm not anti-trolling. I actually think that some kinds of trolling serve really good political and societal functions, and it can be very funny, you know, but at the extreme end it is related to really violent crime. Because that's when it gets like I go, "Mm, trolling just sounds so negative. I don't know how it could be funny. It always sounds very hateful. So what do you mean by that? Well, for example, in terms of how it can serve a political purpose, so Mm -hmm. a little while ago Pauline Hanson wrote a tweet and she was asking white people to call out white racism against them. And People just hopped online and were writing the most hilarious things. I was actually crying with laughter. Like people were saying, you know, uh, I can't get the mayonnaise I like in my suburbs, so I have to go to Ashfield, white racism, you know, stand up against white racism. And it was just hilarious. Like I wrote, I couldn't stop. I was trolling her as well. I tweeted back and I said, I'm so white, uh, I glow in the dark and my Brown friends only take me out when they don't have a torch with them. It kind of sounds a little bit different though. It right, sounds- so that's not predator trolling. That is just mild, it's mild pranks. It's making a political point, but not in a nasty or vindictive way. And that is not going to harm Pauline Hansen in real life. However, with Sherelle Moody's case that I told you about with the horse, obviously mm-hmm. that is a very different scenario. So we have to start differentiating this stuff in our minds. So what is a troll? We've just talked about predator trolling causing real life harm to people. Predator trolling can also be where you trigger a pylon onto someone. When you are using language and really strong language against other people online, you have to be really careful. You have a responsibility because language can lead to real life violence, you know, hence the Holocaust. It didn't start with murder. It started with words. So we have to be really careful. You know, um, I spoke last year at the Sydney Writers Festival with Osman Faruqi, and he was talking about Andrew Bolt, the commentator, wrote a column about Osman, and that triggered extreme predator trolling against Osman and caused threats to his family, and it was terrifying. And these two things are linked. So, you know, I'm a journalist. I use words really carefully. If you have a following, you have to use words really carefully. Mm. So trolling is correlated with what is called the dark tetrad of personality traits, right? So it's it's narcissism, Machiavellianism, uh, psychopathy, and sadism. 
But Mm -hmm. sadism is the strongest link. And what that means is that trolls go out to hurt other people and they take pleasure from it. What is it that you felt made change or if you could impact change on these trolls, what was it? The thing is, Zoe, you cannot change hatred with hatred. Right, what we have now, if you look around the globe, you have this polarized discourse and everybody's just shouting at each other and no one's listening. And you know yourself, if someone shouts at you and yells at you and tells you that you're wrong and that you're dumb and you're stupid and whatever, you you can't listen to them. You have to bring radical empathy to discourse if you really want to affect change. And so the reason that the trolls who are diametrically opposed to most of my beliefs, right, these are really full-on white supremacists, woman-hating, gun-loving, like misogynist dudes that I was spending all this time with. And I'm everything they hate, right? They hate women. They hate white women. They hate Jews, which I am. I was in a mixed race marriage at the time. I'm a journalist. So I, they hated it all. The reason that I built trust with them and the reason that I could form these relationships with them and accidentally I changed a lot of them, like quite a lot of them got kinder was because I was really listening to them. Mm-hmm. And that's radical empathy. I didn't go to the table to shout at them or change them. I just went to hear them with an open heart and open mind. I still held them to account. I never let them off the hook. But empathy is the thing that affects change. It's not shouting at someone. It's not call-out culture. Call-out culture actually has the opposite effect where people Mm. get angry, they bite back, you know, they get more entrenched in their views. What would you suggest to, um, I don't know if we call them the attackees or the victims, what, if they're on the receiving end, what have you noticed is the best way to relate or to shut down or to stop Okay. So that's a really difficult question because I actually have a problem with the question because it's like suggesting that a domestic violence victim is to blame for the attacks that are coming onto them a lot of the time. Like, why is it the victim that needs to change their behavior? Why aren't we? There's no support anywhere else. That's why. It's not like anyone's helping us. That's right. And so this is, this is the reason I wrote the book, right? Like I never wanted to write the book because, you know, my family was nearly destroyed by predator trolling. It was terrifying. It was awful what happened to me in 2013. But once I started reporting about predator trolling, like I did this huge investigation for Fairfax in the middle of 2017, cyber hate targets, loads and loads of them wrote to me just going, I cannot get help, Brian. So this is the thing about this question. Like, yes, there are some behaviors you can do and bystanders can really help in these situations. And I've written a lot about how bystanders can help. But before victims are asked, what did you do to cause that? What should you do to defend yourself? We need to make sure the internet is safe. You know, we need Mm -hmm. to have uh, really good law enforcement, really good courts responding to this, police that understand how to investigate these crimes. And the platforms have a massive case to answer. Like they have created these town squares where we are coming to grave harm and they're not 
taking responsibility for the carnage that happens on their platforms. So, you know, before we start asking how should victims respond, we should actually be asking really hard questions of the government Mm -hmm. um, about our legislation, about to the police, how are they trained, how are they resourced, do they understand to investigate these crimes, you know, and why are the social media companies allowed to get away with this? Like, can you imagine any other kind of business or company having, like, imagine if we put cars on the roads with no seatbelts, we knew people were getting Mm -hmm. killed on them, and we just went, oh, well, don't worry about it, you know, they're nice cars. We wouldn't. So Facebook and Twitter and these huge platforms that are making billions of dollars from our data and paying no tax, they have a case to answer and they are not accountable. Mm. It's it's tricky because I feel like that's not going to happen tomorrow. And as someone that has been trolled and you have been trolled, and I still get it occasionally, it's um, I often don't engage right? And I'll do the block and delete, which I think is that blanket thing that everyone says to do. But on the one um, time that I decided to engage with this person, they were so um, satisfied with me giving them attention that they were honest enough to say, I just wanted you to respond. I just wanted some kind of instant gratification. Like I just wanted a reaction. So... So... Look, yeah, I guess it's like what 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 is better, what is worse? Well, the thing is, right, everybody says don't feed the trolls. And over time I've come to believe that that is totally wrong and I'll tell you why. So trolls want to hurt and upset you. So if you respond, you're showing them you're hurt and upset. So you'd think that that would be a correct equation. They're sadists, the that's that, exactly what they want, right? Yeah, that's right. So you would think that's a correct equation, but it's not a correct equation. And the reason it's not a correct equation is because who are the trolls attacking? The people they are attacking is anyone that isn't a white man. So they're attacking women, they're attacking people of color, they're attacking LGBTIQ people, people with disabilities. So anyone marginalized is who they are are attacking and it is not an accident. They want to maintain their place at the top of the food chain, the perceived place, right? So if you don't respond to them, what you are doing is being silenced. And that is hugely problematic. So what I've actually developed recently is, um, I wrote about it for ABC Live, is really sophisticated bystander techniques. So Mm -hmm. just like in the playground, when kids are being bullied, bystanders have a huge and powerful effect on trolling and cyber hate. And actually, I I often... um, trigger reverse trolling on purpose. I do a huge call out. I say, this person's being trolled. Here's what we need to do. Don't be aggressive. If you're going to respond to the trolls, be corrective. Um, Give the victim a massive amount of support. So retweet them, make their voice bigger, send them messages of love and support. Because basically what happens when a huge love bomb kind of comes around the victim, trolls hate it, right? They hate it because they're trying to make you feel weak and alone. And actually what that does is brings the victim a huge amount of support, more followers, more love. It makes their voice bigger and it's the opposite to what they want. So that is actually the most powerful thing I've come across in terms of the public helping a victim. The onus cannot be on the victim. It has to be the community that stands up for the victim. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Do you believe that these trolls are lazy? What are, what are people committing? Like how much time are they committing to their cause here? Trolling is a really complicated behavior and the trolls in my book are really committed trolls. So Mark, for example, who's a really psychopathic troll in my book and he does do real life harm and has caused people to die by suicide. Uh, he trolls up to 30 hours a week and it's a culture. So they, it's a kind of radicalization that happens when they're young, they end up in these syndicates, very much like people who join ISIS or, or other groups like that. And they have a, a, a set of beliefs often, you know, there are different kinds of trolls, but I'm talking about these white supremacists mm-hmm. sort of predator trolls is, you know, and they really believe the stuff that they do a lot of the time. I mean, sometimes they are just going out to hurt people like someone like Mark, but Meep Sheep, who you called my troll husband earlier, mm. he's president of a syndicate and they believe the media is very left wing and they prank the media on a massive scale. And it's actually very sophisticated. You know, it, they have political beliefs around it um, and it's clever. I don't necessarily agree with it. But, you know, it's designed to make a particular point. So we have these ideas that these guys are alone in their mum's basement, that they're stupid, that they don't Mm. matter, that it's brainless, like none of the above. You know, basically everything I thought I knew about these guys was wrong. Like Meepshi is one of the most sophisticated people you could talk to. He's read everything. He's read all the feminist texts. You know, you can have a big argument with him about it. He's super bright. A lot of them are super bright. (laughs) And, I mean, the thing is, right, this is, it took my, me a long time to wrap my head around this. I am kind of a, fe- a left-wing feminist, basically. So mm-hmm. it was really hard for me to come to grips with this. But basically, these guys feel marginalized. They feel like no one's listening to them. They're smart. They're young. They're angry. They've often had really violent, really damaged upbringings. And that's why they wanted to talk to me. So they're not who we think they are and you know I've been criticized for bringing radical empathy to my interviews with them and for forming close relationships with them but I think if you do that you get a totally different understanding of what's happening and there's a possibility of change. So someone like Mark that is a psychopath and has incited real suicides is he someone that you believe um, from your experience with him will be better or will do better? I mean, look, no, not really. Like they they were all different, right? Every single troll I formed a really deep relationship was really different. And with Mark in particular, he is not going to change. I don't think we should delude ourselves about that. But with some of the others, like Craig is one of the trolls in the book, extremely left-wing. And, you know, after 
I, I first met him a few years ago and I did a bunch of interviews with him and then I came back later when I was writing the book and he had actually quit trolling because of the interviews I had done with him. Wow. And he said the questions you were asking me, the accountability questions you were asking me was so hard for me to answer. And I thought about whether I was a sadist for a long time and I realized the ways that I was behaving were sadistic and I couldn't justify it and I stopped it. Wow. So you're not going to be able to change everybody that does this behavior because not everybody's doing it in the same way or for the same reasons, Got it. you know, with the same motivations. But, you know, like Meep Sheep, uh, he changed me over the course of writing the book and I changed him. So, you know, he's a lot kinder person than he was. And I think he probably made me a more compassionate person too, you know? When I want to just go back to real life crime, because it's just such a hard thing to understand. Um, yes. Was Mark ever charged? He was investigated a number of times by the police, but none of the charges ever stuck. And he was investigated not just in Australia, but for overseas crimes as well. So this is a problem that I was kind of mentioning before, but law enforcement is really out of their depth with this stuff. They don't have the resourcing or the technical skills and they often don't even understand which laws are applicable. Yeah, like there, are well, there aren't important. any, right? There aren't the right laws. No, so, no, no. So there is a very good law that has existed for 10 years in terms of perpetrators. Mm-hmm. So under the Criminal Code Act, which is a federal act, it is illegal to use the internet to menace and harass someone. Okay. Now, uh, that law wasn't used very much, but the data I got for my book, I just looked at Victoria and New South Wales, and it showed that there was a massive increase over the past few years in the use of that law. But because it's a federal law, state police can actually use it, but they often don't understand they can use it. You know, so, and it, the maximum jail term under that law is three years. And the Senate inquiry that happened in cyberbullying in 2018 uh recommended that the the time period you could get in jail was increased to five years and had a whole lot of great recommendations. I hope they implement them now. I think, you know, the, the government is doing, has draft legislation to make some of these things um, much more solid uh, and that new legislation, draft legislation actually makes is going to make it much harder to perpetrate crimes against adults. There was this kind of crazy thing going on, which I have always spoken out against, which is, oh, the poor kids being cyberbullied online, adults will be fine. And meanwhile, people like Charlotte Dawson were dying by suicide and, you know, lots of other people that are never, you know, they're in my book, but they're, they're not reported in the press. Like lots of people were being harmed and somehow we thought adults were okay and they're not. <laughs> they're really not. Can you explain to me the link with domestic violence and trolling? Like so, how does that play yeah, out? Yeah, so one of the problems we have, which I kind of alluded to earlier, but this is really a continuation of this discussion, is about language. Mm-hmm. So With domestic violence in the sector, they call it tech abuse and a number of other things, but basically it is predator trolling. It is using the internet to do real-life harm against someone. So Justine, for example, is a woman in my book. She was a domestic violence survivor. She fled her partner, and, I mean, that was a really violent relationship. But after she left him, he destroyed her life online, like absolutely 
she was living in a small town, humiliated her, made it impossible for her to go out in public, impossible to get a job. Like the level of abuse was so extreme and she tried to suicide because of that. Mm. So that is the exact same behavior. Mm. If you can kind of look at it objectively, that men were doing against Charlotte Dawson. It's a kind of coercive control. It's just that in one situation you have a stranger doing it and in another situation it's a known perpetrator. So, yeah, we have a language problem basically. So trolls, I guess, do their thing and sometimes it's just a one-off comment and then often it's a pile-on effect. Uh, so the one-off yes. comment I don't think is really trolling. Like it. Even if it's like a bad language, pattern. even if it's like a, if it's bad and it's demeaning. I mean, I would demeaning. call that more abuse. Like, okay. It, and it depends if it's designed also to trigger predator trolling. So for example, the blog post against me in 2013 was really deliberately set out to shame me and to incite this person's followers to shame me. That is trolling because you're incite, deliberately inciting a pylon. But if someone just like says to me, your work is a piece of shit, you know, you're a cunt, I, that isn't really trolling. That's just abuse. And it doesn't have any meaning because it doesn't have that sort of terrorizing aspect to it, you know, that sustained bullying effect. That's, it's interesting. It's, a, it's interesting because the things, so you're saying a troll, a trolling behavior is incessant. Whereas if I just said a mean comment, that's not me being trolling, that's me being abusive. But if I kept going after you? Yeah. And also if you like, because what the syndicates do often is they incite the trolling really deliberately. So there'll be a Facebook post inside a men's rights activist group, for example, and it will be designed to get everyone in that cohort to pile onto one person. So wow. each person might only be making one comment, but yes. there's lots of them. You see this all the time. It happens against people like Van Batten. It happens on the right as well. Like a lot of politicians, female politicians, right and left, you know, write to me about the extreme cyber hate against them. So that is, it, it's a stained campaign and a very deliberate campaign. I think it's very interesting terror- though, because I think most people listening, we wouldn't, and this is me included, we don't even know that there are Facebook groups that would post content that they would just see as a one-off that could have gone under the radar as an opportunity for people to go have a field day. Like I didn't even know that that existed. So, yeah, the trolling that I investigated was highly organised. So when you get thousands of tweets or thousands of Facebook posts or thousands of emails or, you know, that is not an accident. It's a really sustained, organised campaign against someone and it usually has a particular objective which is dark Uh, I mean it's really well organized I mean it's one of the things that shocked me like some of the syndicates have presidents and vice presidents you know they're really like bikey gangs and they all know each other sometimes they work together with other syndicates to do what they call a raid you know I mean some of the groups are much less organized or just be like a Facebook group of men that hate women or incels, whatever they call themselves, involuntary celibate. So this is one of the things that I wish the police had more of a handle on, you know, like the white supremacist boards where some of this stuff happens and then you get terrorist acts. I mean, it just seems like, it just seems so unreal. The amount of time that is invested when you could be out living a life, you know, but you're, these, these people are getting together in groups. 
investing that amount of time to hate someone, that's just, it seems maddening. Like that, that seems like they all do have mental health issues. Like all the trolls, you know, all of the people in your book. Is that wrong to say something like that? If they couldn't be of sound mind. Well, okay. So there is a troll in all of us, right? Totally. Every single one, every single one of us has been more aggressive online than we would offline. I agree. And the reason for that, okay, there's an academic term, which is the online disinhibition effect. And that's just a fancy way of saying that when we are online, we don't have the social cues and the social norms that exist offline. So I can't see you. I can't see your facial expressions. I'm not going to meet you in the IGA or the supermarket or the library or wherever. So I have no social contract with Mm -hmm. you and it's gamified. So I can say something really nasty and I can't, it's like a game. I can't see the real life impact on you. And so it has a kind of callousness about it. So there's that, right? Because we've all done that. I've done that. I just told you earlier that I was kind of trolling Pauline Hanson in a sort of jovial way. But then you have, you know, this extreme end. And, I mean, I don't really judge those guys for that. I think one of the things I uncovered that was the most powerful and it was kind of a revelatory moment for me is that all of these guys described to me these just abusive, neglectful violent households that they grew up in and then basically they were raised by the internet so there's a chapter in my book called the internet was my parent Mm -hmm. and what that chapter describes is these childhoods where these kids are just left alone and then they get online and they are on the cesspits of the internet like 4chan, nchan, reddit, tumblr and they are imbibing misogyny, white supremacy, you know, all these really hateful ideologies and they get radicalised into trolling. And I don't think you can be amazed that a little 10-year-old boy or girl who has been so neglected and is so angry with the world and is so alone and finds this cohort of people that want to get back at the world, Mm. you know, I don't think you can be amazed they turn into a troll. I think... We need to actually come to this with our greatest humanity, with our hearts open. These are our kids that are turning into predator trolls Mm -hmm. and then they go and shoot people like in Christchurch. So rather than being angry and defensive and attacking people online, we actually need to go back to this point when this is happening to our little kids in our community and try to stop that. Ginger, who are you when no one's watching? Relaxed. That's a hard question. It can just be relaxed. I actually love being alone. I'm a very sociable person. I'm very outgoing, but I work alone because I love the space to really think about difficult things and write and broadcast stories that will help make society fairer. So I'm a much quieter, more contemplative person when I'm alone. And, you know, then once I've been alone for a while, I need to go out into the real world and reach out my arms to other people and connect to other humans. But, yeah, I love being alone because I think that's when creative and deep and powerful kind of work happens. Mm. 
so good. Thank you. Ginger. <laughs> Ginger, thank you so much for shedding a light, for um, really bringing some true compassion and humanity to this often very judged and uh, hated space. So I think, You're very welcome. yeah, I think we need it. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.